welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hey, Diane. Hi, Jen. What's going on? Oh, not much. I just did some crazy back-to-back stuff this morning. I had to bring my kids... Well, I had to wake up my, my kids at six. I had to take them to daycare. I had to take my car to be detailed because it smelled like poop because somebody pooped in it. And then then I had to come home and work for two hours. Then I had to pump. Then I had to set up to record with you. Oh, God. Busy morning. It's been a real whirlwind. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're here now. Breathe. It's true. (laughs) And you're good. Mm -hmm. I'm all set. (laughs) I've got some good research for us to talk about today, some good history. Before we get started, why don't you tell me about your mom moment? Oh, I'm so excited to tell you this mom moment. I went for the first time to uh, this consignment shop near my house Mm. called uh, Once Upon a Child. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this place. (laughs) I haven't, but I've I've definitely heard of children's consignment shops and they're magical. Yeah. So this place is literally heaven if you want adorable clothes for your children that are gently used, that are very reasonably priced and you feel a little environmentally conscious because you're not buying, you know, new clothes Mm -hmm. um, and having to use new fabrics and things. Um, So this place in Fairfield, I think it's in Fairfield, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. is absolutely wonderful. If you live in this area, I highly recommend it. They have a whole section uh, where you can get 10 onesies for $10. Oh my gosh. And they're adorable and you would never know that they were used before. Yeah. So they also sell equipment like baby swings and toys and and things like that everything is still under warranty and they say is checked out you know before they put it out to be sold but i was able to get rini some really cute fall clothes and some warmer things which she didn't really have because she was a summer baby and everybody got her lots of cute newborn summer things. Of course. <laughs> um, so I got her, you know, some clothes that were really cute and are going to keep her nice and warm in the chilly weather. And I got, I think I got nine or 10 things for $24. Oh, that's great. So I'm really, really proud of that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's so, so this is not my mom moment, but this is, I, I, I feel like I have to say this just because of your story, but Tell me. there is a, a big, I guess it's like a consignment sale that happens annually in Lexington, Massachusetts, which is a very, very wealthy town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have they got a lot of money, um, and they do this consignment sale every year where you you like it, it, everything is priced at like normal consignment prices, like two or three dollars for a onesie, and you know five dollars for a nice outfit or a Halloween costume or whatever, and then at three p.m. They open the doors and anyone who's there at three gets a giant trash bag and whatever you can fit in the trash bag, you get for $20. What? So, <laughs> so I've gone every year with my mom group and I brought home two giant garbage bags last year. So it was cost me $40 and I got all my cloth diapers. I got clothes for Emma and Joey for the next two years. I got no. all my clothes for Liam. Like you just, I just bought all the clothes for the next like two years of my life. 
and it cost me 40 bucks. And, and there are people who go at the regular time. And I'm like, why would you go at the regular time when you go at three and have like a supermarket sweep experience? Yes. <laughs> Cause there are like hundreds of people there and they all just like run in. It's like the running of the brides. It's crazy. Do you feel like you're going to be trampled? Is it scary? <laughs> it's a little scary. Like, but some people go with their kids. So everybody's kind of like oh, cautious because there are children around. If there weren't children, I think somebody would get like severely injured. <laughs> Oh my because God. there are children, people are like, oh, I have to behave like sort of an adult. <laughs> um, when is this sale? I feel like I might have to make a pilgrimage oh gosh, to right? Massachusetts. It's so great. I, forget, I think it's maybe in April. I'll have to let you know next time. Oh, my God. Let yeah. me know in advance. It's maybe so I'll good. take a special trip. <laughs> it is a real experience. It's like a real, like a truly great experience. We go out to lunch beforehand, have a drink, then oh, go get fun. all the clothes. and It's great. It's a nice little mom afternoon. <laughs> Oh, and you just feel so good when you get those deals. Uh-huh. It's true. It's so it's good. Best. I feel so good when I save some money and also don't buy new. Like, oh, I feel so much better when I'm not buying new clothes for my kids who are going to wear them for maybe a month before they either destroy it or grow out of it. I'm trying to make it a goal for myself that I'm not buying her anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, that the only new clothes she really has are stuff that people bought for her, um, which is fine. You know, yeah. gifts are great. Oh, yeah. Um, but I feel like if I can get her hand-me-downs and gently used clothing, sh- first of all, she's not going to know the difference. No. They're still adorable. You'd never know. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something, hopefully, that's a little better for the earth. Yes, exactly. So what's your mom moment? Two nights ago, we have we have a slight issue in our house where whatever mom says is going to be immediately and fully ignored. That's just like how the dynamic works between me and my children. They just said, oh, oh, mom just <laughs> gave us an instruction. Ignore, ignore, do the opposite. So last night, Joe was taking some garbage out to the side of our house. And Joey was like, oh, I'm going to go out too. And it was dark and it was like not cold, but like, you know, it's starting to turn to be fall. So I was like, Joey, you can't go outside. Also, you're not wearing shoes. And he was like, I'm going. And he just ran out. And he comes back inside with Joe and he's like, mommy, I hurt my foot. And I was like, okay. So I sit down with him and I look at the bottom of his foot and he's got like something sticking out of his foot. And I was like, what is this? And I'm looking at him, trying to figure out what it is. I'm like, is it a piece of glass? Is it a piece of metal? Like, what is it? And so I'm looking at it and, and Joe comes over and I was like, can you tell what this is? And he was like, I don't know. And he grabs Joey's foot, takes it out and flicks it away. And I was like, what? Huh? Well, now we don't know what it was. Why would you do that? Oh no. So so I'm like, okay, buddy, let's go let's go clean it off and put a band-aid on it, you know. And so we go into the bathroom and I grab some antiseptic and I'm going to like wipe off his foot and all of a sudden it's been maybe maybe a minute and a half since we extracted this thing from his foot and his foot has like exploded. Like he's just got this giant <gasps> welt and it's hard and it's red and I was just like, Ugh. "Oh, buddy, you got stung by a bee." oh no on the bottom of his foot on the bottom of his foot and and it was like late it was it was like 8 8 30 at night so it was bedtime and all i could think was well now i have to keep you awake for at least 10 minutes to make sure you don't have like an extreme reaction because you've never been stung before and and then i couldn't sleep all night because all i could think was what if he's having his extreme reaction right now at two in the morning and he wakes up no check that doesn't wake up and is dead. So I kept checking on him all night long to make sure oh, he was no. fine. And like, he was fine. He was fine. But my mom moment is that when something happens to my children late at night, I can't sleep and I have to check and make sure they're breathing all night long. I think that's perfectly natural. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this is insane. What am I doing? 
go to bed. Oh my Jen. god! So I didn't sleep well. That's scary, though. <laughs> I know it was awful. Well, at least now, hopefully, you know he's not allergic, or at least not yes, severely allergic. He's not allergic, and I think I think maybe this natural consequence will lead him to wear shoes outside now. <laughs> Hey, right? <laughs> Fingers teaching crossed. moment. Yes. <laughs> nice teaching moment. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, my goodness. Your mom moment was excellent for, for our episode today because today I'm going to tell you all about the history of children's clothing. Can't wait. It's, it's pretty interesting. So I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting what I found. Like once I looked into it, I was like, this is this is wild. This is like the exact opposite of what I was expecting. So the TLDR of children's clothing is historically everything for women has always been the same. And women's clothing up until like the 1960s wasn't really like anything special or different. There wasn't a fashion industry that was like tailored towards women's clothing and like little girls clothing I should say okay they just little girls clothing just mimicked adult women's clothing that was it there was like nothing special about it but with boys clothing it's like there's a whole clothing is used from like the 1600s up until now as a way to assert masculinity as young as possible it's just wild and I wasn't expecting that I was expecting there to be I consider women in clothes to be like these two things that are linked together. Yeah. Like, women express themselves through clothing. They would want their little girls to express themselves through clothing. No, that is super new and super modern and not how things happened historically at all. So wow, let's scoot on back through time. So basically prior to prior to the 20th century, so we'll just start with that basic time period. Prior to the 20th century, infant and toddler clothing lacked any sex distinction at all. Every child, like toddler age and younger, wore the same thing, the same colors, the same everything. And they they were they either wore a gown, a robe, or a tunic. That was it. And so so it didn't matter if you were a girl, that's that's what you wore. And up until four months old, you were swaddled. Almost consistently, no clothes, just wrapped up in linen. How did babies learn to like move? Yeah, right. Their limbs. Oh, properly? I know, right. <laughs> Let's. We're gonna we're gonna mosey on up into into swaddling is bad. We'll we'll get there. So okay. okay. So prior to the 1600s, all people, regardless of age, wore a gown, a robe, or a tunic. Right, like all men, women, children, babies. That's what everybody wore. There were no pants. There were no nothing like that. And then once the 1600s hit, hit, that's when we started to see pants, trousers, breeches, things like that. So clothes in general were really just skirts and gowns and things like that for everyone up until the 1600s, which I didn't realize. I thought, oh, people have been wearing pants for forever. No, that's not true at all. I actually, I did know that. I'm trying to think why, but but that I did know. So I'm very interested to see exactly when that makes a big shift. So go on. <laughs> so let's see. So you have, so you have everybody wearing just long gowns and tunics and things. And then during the 1600s, you have breeches start to be uh, to be worn, and 
uh, skirted garments were reserved just for the quote unquote subordinate members of society. So women and very young boys wore things with skirts. (laughs) Um, And the only people who were allowed to wear breeches were men and boys who had had reached a point of maturity where they were considered to basically be men. We're going to get to what age that was in a minute, and it's going to make you go, what? So, Oh, boy. So prior to the 1700s, swaddling was used on infants, and it was thought to help straighten their limbs. Because when babies come out, their limbs are all bowed and stuff, you know? So they swaddled them real tight so that it would straighten their limbs out. People thought that babies would grow up to be misshapen humans if their limbs were allowed to be free. <laughs> so, So this was a way of, like they believed it was a way to to like make the body do what they wanted it to do i wish everyone could see my face right now it's a wonder that anybody could walk i know right (laughs) yeah so so it wasn't until 1693 when john locke one of my favorite writers of all time i was like john locke you're making an appearance in this history i'm so glad he wrote a piece which i read in college called thoughts concerning education. And in that, he advocated for abandoning swaddling in favor of looser clothes that would allow babies to move freely because he was like, no, that it'll strengthen their muscles and strengthen their bones if they can move around. And by 1800, swaddling was rarely done in England and America because it started with John Locke's piece and, and other people researched it through you know those few hundred years and then boom. No more swaddling. Now it's like really just used if you're trying to get your baby to go to sleep and calm down. That's awesome. Yeah. They used to just keep babies swaddled all the time. <laughs> they just... must have had a lot of really cranky babies on there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of really dirty, disgusting linen. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And and yeah. that this kind of harkens to our diaper episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Same. Yes. So. Lovely. So anyway, during the 1700s, um, Uh, So swaddling was done consistently for the first two to four months of a baby's life. They were just swaddled all the time and they like never had their limbs free. And then when a baby was past swaddling age, they would, they would start to wear slips, which was made out of linen or cotton and had a fitted bodice and then skirts that extended about a foot beyond their feet. So, so they just wore these giant these giant, huge, flowy gowns, all babies. I feel like I totally have seen <laughs> those kinds of things in like old baby pictures, yes, like yes. old black and white baby exactly. pictures. Yes. So these were called long clothes and all babies wore long clothes until they weren't like babies anymore, until they were starting to crawl or walk. So that was until they were maybe like nine months or so and then they'd shift into their short clothes which oh only <laughs> I was gonna jokingly ask if it went to short clothes <laughs> yes long clothes and short clothes and those only went down to their ankle and then that would allow them to to crawl and walk although arguably I'm sure it was still really hard to crawl in something that extended past your knees so they it took them a while to learn that <laughs> Oh, God. So girls, once they started wearing short clothes, they wore those same outfits that just sized up until they were adolescents. And these, again, were just like miniature versions of what they wore as adults. There was no difference in fashion depending on your age as a woman. So they just wore the same thing. Pretty boring. Yeah. Boys, however, they were breached once they were considered mature enough and masculine enough to represent themselves 
in a miniature version of what their adult peers would wear. So, so they're not their adult peers. They're like um, social peers. So whatever their station was in life, they would start wearing like what their father wore or what, you know, if they didn't have a father, what their uncle wore or whatever, but just a small version. How old do you think children were breached? So I'm thinking, I'm going to say 13. Yeah, that would be a really great guess, Diane, if you were a sane person. They breached children, little boys, between the ages of four and seven. What? Yes. The, the exact age was determined by how masculine the boy the boy appeared and behaved. Oh, my God. I'm seeing so many problems with this. Right? So breaching was a sign that boys were leaving childhood. Oh, no. Behind. At four? Yeah, at four. And beginning to take on traditional adult male roles and responsibilities. Join the workforce and, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, I shouldn't be too surprised because weren't we still like sticking yeah, kids in factories we at were. this point? We were 100% doing that. And we were we were expecting them to carry on family businesses and be involved in family businesses and you know when they were little because they were you were basically producing a workforce reproducing a workforce i mean so you have a four-year-old granted she's a girl so she wouldn't have been breached but no but could you imagine your four-year-old being treated as like a little tiny adult no no i can't going to work wants to behave like a little tiny adult but she fails miserably because she's four oh yeah right (laughs) just crazy. So <laughs> so anyway, they eventually starting in the 1780s, they realize, "Oh wait, little boys aren't really little men. They're little boys." So, they design what are called skeleton suits, which is <laughs> such a strange name for an article of little boy clothing, but it became the new transitional boy attire for boys between 3 and 7 years old. And basically what it looks like is a pair of pants, like trouser pants, that have okay. buttons on them, and a short coat, a short jacket, and the top buttons of the pants, like, hook on, button on to the bottom of the jacket. So it basically looks like a jumpsuit. I don't know. I'll put up a picture of it. But, but like, this is now what little boys wore. And then once they entered into their teen years, they started wearing a frilled collar to signify that they were old enough to be a teenager, but not old enough to be an adult who doesn't wear frills. (laughs) And again, during all of this, women are just wearing their plain, sad dresses that, that like are not special or interesting in any way. But boys got frills. They've got special jumpsuits. They've got skeleton suits. Calm down, boys. Right? So, so basically what this did was it extended childhood for boys until their teen years, when they would transition into adult male attire. So it was like, we're going to give them, we're going to allow boys to be boys for a little bit longer until we say, now you're a man. <laughs> so I don't know. Nuts. So we'll jump forward into the 1800s. So newborn clothing in the 1800s and before before the 1800s too, is primarily made by mothers or commissioned seamstresses, Right. There were no ready-made clothes available until the late 1800s. So you weren't like going shopping for clothes. That wasn't a thing. So, I mean, I'm sure there were like bespoke things that you did. Like you would go out to see a seamstress or a tailor and order clothing, but you couldn't just walk into a store and buy a three-pack of newborn clothes. Right. That's very that, – that's like the late 1800s when that started to happen. So baby clothes were mostly made out of white cotton 
or linen. And the reason why was because it was the easiest thing to bleach. We would never put white on our children like every day for all of their clothes now because it's such a pain to keep clean. Yeah. But that was the only thing they could clean back then. You know, like color was, you know, they didn't, kids didn't wear color. Yeah. Up until like the late 1800s, I believe. So we'll we'll get into, we'll get into color, the, the advent of color. And when we get there, we will also see some other very interesting color related things. So again, 1800s, women just wearing the same clothes from birth until death. The length of the skirts changed slightly. They would get longer throughout their childhood and teen years until they were ankle length at adulthood. But that's it. (laughs) Can't show those ankles. Right? It's like little girls were allowed to show show ankles. And then as you got older, your dresses would get longer and longer until they covered your ankles. So, (laughs) and that's the only difference between women's clothes. So in the 1820s, women started to wear, I'm not exactly sure of the pronunciation, but it looks like it's pantalets, which is P-A-N-T-A-L-E-T-S. These were the little like white undergarments that they'd wear under their dresses, like the little white pantaloons almost, I guess they would look like. This was only allowed by men because it was private dress. (laughs) And it posed no threat to male power because it was private dress. So they could wear their their pant-like object under their dress because you couldn't see them. You know, for for people that are so, quote, powerful, they have a lot of insecurities about what women can and can't do and what might undermine them. Yep. And only the subordinate member of society. Absurd. So men got their issues all the way back all way, way, way back. And clothes is a way in which we see that. So seriously, in the late 1800s, the research into child rearing. So finally, now the research into child rearing is like kicking into gear. And we start to see that they're recommending that crawling be encouraged more often because it's a really important developmental milestone, which we know, obviously now, but it was not something that that people thought was of any significance, you know, way back when. So in the late 1800s, kids are crawling more, are being encouraged to crawl more, but they're wearing these big dresses and how are they going to be able to get around? So what gets developed are called creeping aprons. Oh, (laughs) creeping aprons, which are worn over the baby's white dresses. So you've got these little boys and these little girls wearing a creeping apron over their white dress. Essentially what a creeping apron is, is a romper. So eventually they go, they don't need to wear this creeping apron over their dress. Stop wearing the dress. (laughs) So then that's where rompers started to be just like what we dress babies in. But it wasn't until the late 1800s that we, like we started putting babies in dresses in like the 1600s for them to crawl around in. But it wasn't until we were like, oh, they should really crawl all the time that we were like, oh, (laughs) let's put them into something that resembles pants. But again, let's make a quick note that it was okay for toddlers, even who were girls, to wear rompers, which are essentially a pant-like outfit, because toddler girls are no threat to male power. Wow. This is a theme. I know. It's just, there's a lot of that going on. So, but rompers in the late 1800s were the first unisex pants outfit. Before that, there was nothing that any female of any age could wear that was panted, other than the the pantalets, which were private. So, oh, <laughs> oh boy. So, in the 1910s, 
that's when color starts to be used as a way to distinguish between gender in babies and children. Before that, all babies, all children just wore whatever color the material was made out of and with no distinction. However, when color started to be introduced as a way of distinguishing, what do you think the colors were that were assigned to each gender to identify what the baby was? Oh, I think I know this. It was reversed, right? Yeah, Girls it was. Blue and boys were pink. That's I read right. that somewhere. Do you know why? No idea. <laughs> so pink is a light version of red, which is the color of Mars. And blue is associated with Venus and the Virgin Mary. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do we know when it switched? It wasn't until 1939 that the last reference to those colors being used that way appears in print. So it's probably sometime between like, probably sometime after World War II that are or, or in, in the midst of World War II where the color distinctions are set as blue for boys and pink for girls and that we continue on that way until now. So yeah, it was, it was a little while that it was the other way. So then in the 1920s, you start seeing designs and patterns on clothing and those started to become more gendered over time. But, but in the 1920s, it was it was the the patterns and designs like little boys could wear flowers, uh, little girls could wear animals. Like it it didn't it didn't matter. It was the color that designated the um the gender. But now you know you would never put little flowers on a boy. Um, I mean I do because I don't care. But <laughs> right. But if you go into a store where the clothing sections are really gendered, you're not going to see flowers in the boys section. So girls could wear pants. In the 1940s, for casual occasions, but it wasn't until the 1970s that girls and women were allowed to wear pants for any and all occasions. So dresses all the time, super fancy, very so sorry. uncomfortable. I know, especially for a little girl and you want to go play and stuff. But I guess they just weren't allowed to do that. Well, which yeah, is sad, which is just <laughs> sad. So, so anyway, the, one of the things that I thought I would spend a lot more time learning about was clothing as a way of self self-expression and rebellion but that didn't that wasn't a thing until like the 60s <laughs> crazy so let me let me back up a second so in in the 1920s that's the first time historically that we see teenagers using clothing as a form of rebellious expression and all through the next several decades you can see teenagers using clothing that way but it wasn't until the 1960s, that those choices, the choices that were being made by teenagers, so the boomers, essentially, mm -hmm. the boomers said, oh, we're going to wear bell bottoms and we're going to wear flowery shirts and, and tunic tops and all that kind of stuff. And that was the first time that we saw teenage fashion choices actually inform adult style. But before that, adults wore what adults wore and that fashion industry was completely separated from the teen and younger fashion industry. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like the history of clothing is really the history of male clothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, women are kind of an afterthought here. I know. So I was I was really sort of like, I'm glad that, that women have sort of, uh, you know, taken a little bit more ownership now of the fashion industry. And I mean, I think still many designers and things are, are men, but I like that women's clothing is more often used for self-expression than, than men's clothing. There's also something to be said about, about how we use clothing now today to signify gender. And I think one of the things that has constantly 
frustrated me. And something that goes back to the 1970s. In the 70s, there was this outcry from consumers to stop gendering kids. Because you have all, all the hippies and all the people who are like, we shouldn't be sexualizing our babies. And that still exists today, that feeling. But when they said, stop making gendered clothing for kids, make gender neutral clothing for kids, what they did was they just sold boy clothes to everyone. Like, that's what the industry responded with. Because how dare you create right. clothing that is more feminine and put it on a I boy? I never clothing. thought of it that way, but yeah. you're right. Yeah. So so all of the gender neutral clothes are really clothes still catered to boys because we can't put a boy in something that they might be confused for a girl in, which is really unfortunate because it starts at birth. Oh, you don't want to look like a girl, do you? <laughs> Like you'd never want to be confused for a girl and right. it and it cements in in our society and our kids from that super early age that being a girl is bad. And I just wish we could come up with a, a truly gender neutral clothing style that didn't give that impression. Um Ugh. or that we said it's totally okay for girls to dress as boys and boys to dress as girls and that However you want to express yourself is fine and who cares? I'm so thankful when I go to pick up my kids at daycare that they don't they don't do that baloney at the daycare. They um they have a dress up box and more often when I walk in there I see the little boys wearing the princess clothes and I'm just oh. like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> this is great. Because they it just it let them means be themselves. Nothing. Yes. Like it's it's pretend it's make-believe it's you know exercising their creativity and imaginations and it doesn't matter if they want to dress up like as like a princess or a lumberjack exactly (laughs) yep it's true wow yeah I I have to say I learned a lot of stuff I did not know but you did you did happen to know a lot of things that I certainly didn't know so I'm very proud of you thank you (laughs) um yeah and I'm trying to remember where I read some of that stuff I I really can't think of it off the top of my head um but um, but there was a lot of stuff that I was surprised about, uh, specifically, like you said, that really we're talking a lot about men and boys and the women are just kind of along for the ride doing the same thing over and over again. Yep. I'm glad women have finally taken their place in the sun in the clothing Maybe world. Maybe that's why women are so into fashion, because we were deprived of it for so long and told what we what we could and couldn't wear. And now we're saying we're going to wear what we want. We're going to wear what we want. I mean, uh I feel like it's a pretty good time to be a woman, all things considered. I know. Yes, we still have a ways to go, but I don't think I'd want to live back oh, in the yeah. 18th. I think we have it much better than they had it any time before now. Slowly but surely, we're getting there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, awesome. Thank you for doing that research. Absolutely. That was so fascinating. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Oh, good. I'm glad. So before we wrap up, a couple couple little announcements. We have content for you to enjoy on our website, which is www.opdwpodcast.com. And you can find us on all the social media hotspots at OPDW Podcast. Our music is by Theo Rosenberg. Uh, He is one of our students at my husband and my music school. So we're very excited to have his music here. Yes, it's lovely and fits so perfectly. It's it's awesome. So until next time. Remember that your four-year-old is not a man yet. (laughs) 